God bless you. Verse 37, the Bible says, Now when they had this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. A vital, uh, verse verse, uh, 40 says that, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be safe from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who were who believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food and with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. We started talking about the contagious church. Someone say the contagious church. Oh, say it like you, you are awake this morning. The contagious church. Hallelujah. And yes, uh, last week I was telling you that Jesus did not envisage a church that is quarantined. A church that is kept in a secluded, secluded area. Because the Bible says that Jesus was anointed by God and he was doing good and going from place to place, preaching the gospel to everyone. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit who went about, someone say went about. He did not stay in one place. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for the Lord God was with him. Hallelujah. He went about because he wanted to ensure that the gospel is preached to everybody. Amen. He, he, he went about because the gospel cannot be contained. The gospel cannot be quarantined. The good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, should never ever be quarantined. It is Satan's idea and Satan's plan to quarantine the church. Amen. To keep the church inside. You make all your noise. So long as it is within your buildings and not outside, we are okay, Satan says. Amen. Amen. That is how come when we stay in the church, in the confines of the church, nobody attacks the church. But as soon as we take the church from the, the building outside, then Satan just wakes up. Amen. So you realize the first church, they were together. They were hiding in the, in the wilderness, 
They were hiding in places. Jesus was teaching, you know, in, in uh, John chapter 5, you know, and all those, uh, Matthew chapter 5, when, when he was teaching on the, in the sermon on the mountain and everything. They were in a mountain. They were uh, hiding in places. And there was no replication. But when they started gathering, going to the temple, speaking uh, in the marketplaces, and Peter is giving a speech that 3,000 people receive Jesus Christ. Immediately we realize the high priest and all those people rose up. Amen. Amen. We read it last week, isn't it? I don't have time to read it in chapter 5. That they caught Peter and they caught um, um, John and they, they kept them. In, they kept them in cells. And in the night, an angel opened the cells and let them out. And when they went out, they went back to preach again. And the people this time, they sent that, go to the prison, go and bring them. When they went to the prison, they were not there. So they went back to the place they, they caught them before. And this time, they told them, listen, listen, the, the high priest wants to have a word with you. And then they took them to the high priest. And the high priest told them, don't preach again. If you are going to preach, preach within the confines of your own place. So that you don't disturb the, the neighborhood. Because we don't want a contagious church. We want a quarantine church. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want a contagious Christian. We want a quarantine Christian. That's the Christian who is only a Christian on Sunday morning in the house of God. And then from Monday to Saturday, you are a normal person. Nobody knows you as a child of God. Nobody knows you as a Christian. Nobody, you, you don't affect anybody with your, your Christian life. You don't affect anybody with your beliefs. So long as you stay in the confines of your home and your confines of, of your, your, your church, that is fine. We'll keep your, your beliefs. Don't share it. Don't tell anybody. Be a Christian. On Sunday morning and Monday morning, you are just normal person. Tuesday morning, you are just normal. Thursday, you are cursing somebody. Friday, you are, you are, you are uh, fighting. Saturday uh, evening, you are in a nightclub. Sunday morning, you become elder uh, watermelandra. That is fine. Satan is happy with you. Amen. But that is not God's idea for us. Amen. God's idea is that we become contagious. What is a contagious thing? Anything that is contagious is, is something that as soon as you come into contact with it, you infect the person. When somebody comes into contact with you, you must affect the person. The person must be infected with what you are infected with. Otherwise, you are not contagious. Amen. If your, your friends have not been affected by your life, can I submit to you that you are not a Christian yet? Your friends, your friends who are sinful are comfortable around you. Cursing and swearing around you. It's, it's an indication that you are not, maybe you have not caught the sickness yet. If Christianity is a sickness, it's a disease which is contagious and you have not been able to in, infect or affect anybody with that sickness, there is something wrong with your disease. Recently, we've been told that uh, there is, uh, Ebola has struck again in um, Congo, and within the last week, about, uh, is it 1,600, 1,780 people have been infected. 
no, 1,600 people have died just in one week of the outbreak. Because it's a very contagious disease. And now the government is calling anybody who has sat in any commercial car in the last week, come for vaccination because the chances are you've been infected by the Ebola disease. Because if you are in a, in a confined space for a long time, for a few minutes with uh, somebody who's carrying the disease, chances are you are infected. Can that be of Christianity? That you sit in a car, you don't say anything. You sit in a car quietly and chances are you have infected people. There was a man that left and that man one day was traveling and he went to a certain city. When he got to the city, he was just there. He was somewhere. And then something, revival just broke out in the city. People will be walking in the market place, just chatting before they realize they are speaking in tongues. People will be, and before they realize they are praising God. And, and they were, people are wondering, what is happening? What is this new phenomenon that has happened? People are just walking before they realize they are, they are on the floor. They are kneeling down, worshiping, singing, and praising. And then somebody said, I guess this man of God is in town. That is probably why there is an outbreak. Because that man is highly contagious. I pray that that will become our story. Amen. I said, I pray that that will become our story. Amen. Amen. And, and, and we started looking at how our church, like the early church, became a contagious church. If we can do, we can follow the principles of, the, of, of uh, what the early church followed to become contagious, we will become a contagious church as well. Amen. And so we started looking, verse 42, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 42. And somebody said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You see, um, I was thinking, first of all, this is the first time we hear the followers of Jesus Christ being described as apostles. Before Jesus died, they were called the disciples. The word disciples means a follower of, of somebody. If you're a disciple, so it's like anybody who's following me is my disciple. Are you with me? So they describe themselves as disciples. So disciples of Jesus Christ. Every time they've been called disciples, but this time they are being called apostles. Why? What's the difference? The difference is that Jesus has now left and has infused them with the spirit of God. So now they are supposed to carry his spirit and operate in the, in the world. Amen. And the Bible says, and they continue steadfast. See, the word steadfast is a very, a very funny word. Steadfast means anchored. Steadfast means hooked. It's not sh shaking. It is a continuous hooking. Very, very steady. 
So it means, you know, when, when there is a, a tempest in the sea and there is wind and everything, if you have a ship, what they do is that they lower the anchor and the anchor goes down to the bottom of the sea and holds on to something like a rock and it steadies the ship. So it doesn't matter what wind blows and what wind doesn't blow. It stabilizes the ship so the ship will never go down or be flipped because it is anchored. Steadfast. And the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The first thing they did was that they decided that everything the apostles were teaching is exactly what we are going to teach. Everything the apostles are saying is what we are also going to say. We are not going to change anything that the apostles are saying. We are not going to add to what the apostles are saying. We are going to keep continuously in the doctrine of the apostles. Amen. Now, look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I think 2. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convicts, rebuke, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but, will, but according to their own desire, because they have each ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Amen. So it says that the time will come, people will not be steadfast. In, with the apostles' doctrine. There will be people with each ears that will want to hear what they want to hear. They will, and you see, whatever you want to hear, you'll find a teacher who will teach you that. Are you with me? And so if you look at the church of God carefully today, you see that there's a certain message that is being taught. The message of grace, the message of prosperity, the message that you, have, you, you don't have any problem. All the problems are not your fault. It is your mother's house, your father's house. So the enemies of the father's house will die. How many have heard that gospel before? And that, that is the gospel that is being taught. Everything about your dominion, your power. And that is what we want to hear. So a pastor who is not preaching that type of pre, uh, sermon is not powerful. But you see, those type of sermons they keep the church contained. Am I talking to somebody? It looks as if the church is growing, but really the church is not growing because the people that are, 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 are interested in those type of sermons are people who are already churched. So you see that then they move from this church to this church. They move from this church to this church. So they'll be here until they finish getting all the dominion and power and all the... Uh, whatever, testimonies. And then they will hear that now there's a, a, a powerful man here. So they'll leave here and come here. And that powerful man, he started with an empty church before he realized, because he's preaching the message, these people have left here and they've joined here to hear the same thing. And so it looks like it's growing. 
It looks like it's powerful, but it's, it's just seasonal. They are about to move. Because as soon as the next pa- uh, pastor comes, preaching a, a, even a better, so you see that the, the goalpost is being moved. Everybody is like, the dominion is being further increased. And those type of churches, they don't grow. Because it does not add. Now go back to the, the verse 2. Quickly. It says that preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince. Somebody say convince. So you see, the word of God must convict you. Anytime you come to church and there is not a message that will convict you to do something. You see, and the, the prosperity message doesn't convict you. Because it is, you know your fault. It's somebody from your mother's house chasing you. Are you with me? So all you need is to, you need me to break that person. So once that person is broken, you are off to prosperity. Are you with me? So you see, and the prophecy is, it is from your mother's house. It's your father's house. Listen, we already know that the mother's house have demons. You don't need to tell us. You don't need to prophesy to us. How many, how many agree that your mother's house, there are demons there? And there are demons in your father's house. We already know that. In fact, some of us sit here, we have demons in ourselves, inside ourselves, and we know it. So is he telling us that there are demons from our mother's house and our father's house? It's not really what we want to hear. You know, we want to hear something that will change our attitude. Something that will convict us that what we are doing is wrong. And we need to change. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Any time you come to church and you are not convicted, there is something wrong. See, anytime you come, every time you come to the whole year, you come to church, every time the pastor has made you happy. Pastor has made you, pastor has not made you angry. How many have been you, you preached to and you felt angry because the pastor was in your case. You, you, see, you feel, pastor, this message is preaching about me. And you, how many have felt that before? You are, you are angry about that. It's like, this man doesn't like me. That's why he's preaching like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I say it's good. It is good because it is convicting you that what you are doing is not good and it needs to be changed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And rebuke. Rebuke is direct. Rebuke is direct. And you see, when you are rebuked, you feel, you feel foolish. <laughs> uh, how, how many feel foolish when you are rebuked? Yeah, 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 yeah. When, when your, the message rebukes you, you feel embarrassed. You feel, you see, sometimes your reaction is anger. You go home and you're like, I'm not coming to church again. You, understand? you, you don't have a smile on your face. You are, mm, because it's like the, the message is you. And you feel like if pastor wants to say something, she says directly to me. Why is he taking it into a message? And, and, and you see, as you are feeling that one, then somebody else is feeling the same thing. Another person is feeling the same thing. Another person is feeling the same thing. And everybody, that is rebuke. Hallelujah. And the next one is exalt to encourage. The same word must also encourage you. Are you with me? All those type of messages are what the apostles taught. 
Now let me show you a few a few uh, scriptures in the Bible. Come with me to Mark. Mark. Let's start with Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The same scripture can be found in Matthew 4 verse 17. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is Jesus talking. Repent. Somebody say repent. And believe in the gospel. Amen. So when Jesus came, his doctrine was repent. Somebody say repent. Yeah. To, to repent means that you know what you're doing is wrong. So stop it. Do the right thing. Repent from your, your sin. Do the right thing. This is Jesus' talk, Jesus's message. It's very simple. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, somebody said to say. He began to preach and to say that repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is his message. Very simple. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Look at another person. Ma Matthew chapter 3 verse 7 to 9. Matthew chapter 3 verse 7. Listen to what John the Baptist also came doing. Matthew chapter 3. And when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who want you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. If you say you have repented, let us see it in your behavior. Don't just be talking. Let us see that there's a change in your, in your, 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 your behavior. Your character has changed. Number, next one. And do you think, to, do not think to say to yourself that we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Hallelujah. And he said, and now, somebody said, and now. And now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you see, he says, it's a doctrine. Somebody say, a doctrine. And that doctrine is that same doctrine Jesus also came to preach. And when he left, the first message Peter, Peter preached was the same doctrine. You people killed Jesus because you wanted to cover your sins. But God has exalted the, 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 the stone that you rejected and made it the head of the stone. So, cornerstone. So now he says that you repent and follow after Jesus. And for the gift that you have seen in these people, the gift is to you and to your children. So change your life. These days, we don't preach messages about changing your life. That's how come you go to places like the third world Africa, it's like everybody goes to church. And yet, it's the most corrupt place. Everybody's a thief. Everybody's stealing from the government. Everybody's stealing from somebody. Everybody's stealing from, uh, from each other. And yet, Sunday morning, everybody's in church. And everybody's comfortable in church. Why? Because the gospel is not being preached to convict us of our sins. 
And that's how come the, the, the chairs are empty. That's how come, see, as for revival, that brings the unchurched into church. You must offer something different from what the world has. Are you with me? Because as for success and prosperity, the world also has success and prosperity. So you see, if it is success and prosperity you are talking about, we won't join you because what you are saying, even we will know better. We know how to do 419 more than you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if, if the world is going to come to the church for answers, the church must preach the truth. And you see, the real truth is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, the good news. Anytime, you see, I, 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 I went to uh, South Africa and I was telling you that I saw this church and the church is now one of the fastest growing churches in the whole of South Africa. The road that I live on, that same road, four years ago, this church was not there. Four years on, the church has come. Within four years, over 10,000 people are sitting there. And that is just a branch of the church. And the church has now about 40 branches within the last four years. And each one has a minimum of 10,000. The main branch itself has 40,000 people. You know, so I decided to do a study on this man, on this preacher, to find out what is he doing that is different from what I'm doing. Because if you can see somebody who is doing something better than you, and it's getting results. Find out what they, they are doing different from what you are doing. Because that will teach you something. Uh, are you getting what I'm saying? And I studied the man's message. And his message was all repentance, salvation. He's not teaching anything different from that. I've, I've been listening to him since I came back from South Africa up to this point. His message is that. Just that. Just that. No sophisticated message. No, you know, you know what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. Want some revelation? No, 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 no. It's very simple. About salvation, true repentance, transforming your life to be a better Christian. That's all. That's all. And they were steadfast to the apostles' doctrine. That is it. And many were being added to them. They were becoming contagious because they were steadfast to the apostles' doctrine. What are we steadfast about? What are we preaching? What are we telling our friends? Are we preaching the gospel or we are preaching something else? The place has gone quiet. I have 10 more minutes. Let me, let me hurry up and go. Next, so go back to uh, 42. That's Acts chapter verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the next one was what? Fellowship. We talked about fellowship last week, isn't it? They had fellowship and in breaking of bread, the word fellowship we talked about said last week was that fellows in a ship. They were rolling together. Thinking the same way. Having the same 
heart and the same mind. There's a scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Look at it for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the message of God, that you, 1 Corinthians 1.10, have the same mind and the same, 1.10. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing. That there be what? No divisions among you. Amen. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Are, are you with me? You see, the thing that makes the church contagious, and when I say contagious, inviting, is when we speak the same thing. When we are one. You see, oneness is attractive. Love is attractive. Having the same judgment, the same mind, is very attractive. Because it's not a normal thing. People don't normally have oneness. Are you getting what I'm saying? And you see, the thing about oneness is God. Now, I don't know whether you got, you got what I said. Oneness is symptomatic of God. Oneness means that God is there. We read in Psalm 133 that it is there the Lord commands his bless, blessings when we dwell together in unity. Are you with me? So anytime you begin to have any mind that I'm not liked, these people, these people, these people, these people know that Satan has introduced himself to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Anytime you become suspicious, you become weary of people, you become, I don't, I don't want this, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't want, no, that Satan has introduced himself to you. Are you with me? Don't, don't think that you are more spiritual. Because that is not it. That is, Satan has introduced himself to you. And I said to you that for Judas, Satan didn't need permission. Because he introduced himself to him long ago. That is how come even his name, Judas Ish Karoth. Judas from Karoth. How come you alone, your name, you have to mention your name by where you come from? It means that you are not part of, you are not from around here. No, I don't know whether you got it. He was not, Karoth was about 17 miles southeast. Somewhere down in the village, down the south. And in those days, when we say 17 miles, 17 miles is a long distance because you have to walk for days. So he, in his mind, he, these people are not, I'm not like these people. Can you imagine that uh, we are in a place that the, all of us are black and then somebody comes from, from uh, where is it called, give me a country, from China. And, and so we start calling him Charles from China. Ch or, or Chan from China. Chan from China. Chan from China. Chan from, you know that, that, that name alone, Chan from China, alone makes him conscious of where he comes from. And makes him conscious that I am not one of these people. And you see, when your viewpoint always influences your point of view. 
Isn't it? Your point of view influences your viewpoint. If you stand from a place they don't like me, all you see is that really they don't like you. Are you getting what I mean? When you see that, they say, these people, they are just tolerating me. They don't really like me. All you see, and everything will confirm what you believe. And when you suddenly believe that these people like me, everything. Have you ever liked a particular car? Particular color? Now, meanwhile, you've never seen it anywhere. But suddenly, everywhere you pass, you see that car. Everywhere you pass. Has it occurred to you? I said, I said, if you some, you pick any odd color of any car, you start seeing them. Why? Because your point of view now detects the things you see. So Judas was a step out of fellowship because he was Ishkaroth from Karoth. So his mind was different. That's how come. It was easy for the high priest to go. Why, how come they picked him to present money to him to betray Jesus? How come? I am even sure that they probably didn't try because his mannerism was very, very, it lent itself to a very bribable person. Hallelujah. Next one, my time is up. But next one, the, 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 go back, go back to it. The one that I wanted to talk about today, quickly, verse forty-two. And in breaking bread, and in prayers, Hallelujah. I'll come back to this later, but let's go on. And fear came upon them, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles' doctrine. Very quickly, and all who believed were together had all things in common. So, somebody say they had all things in common. Read on. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now let me give you a picture. Just a quick picture. Can you imagine a single woman with four children broke, don't have a job, always needing Help from neighbors, handouts from neighbors, and everything. Everybody knows that this woman is, is struggling with her four children. And then one day, this woman goes to church, and she's coming back, and she comes with a, a, a van full of food, clothes, shelter, uh, uh, food, clothes, you know, money. And it's coming, and the neighbors see her, and they ask, Hey, what a Melandra? Where did you get all these? Things, this whole van full of all this. And what Amelanda said, Oh, I, I got it from my brothers and sisters. So, which brothers and sisters? My brothers and sisters from church. You mean they gave you all this? Say, Yes, they gave me all this. Wow. Then the next day, what Amelanda goes to church. The next Sunday, she's coming this time. She's coming with brothers and sisters who are coming to clean the house, cut the grass, trim the hedge, paint the house. How many think that neighbors will want to join this group? Or these brothers and sisters group? Because if these brothers and sisters can 
can give this type of help, then I want to be part. Well, recently, our church in South Africa, there was a lady that is uh, associated to the, with the hall that we use. And that lady, her job, her, her uh, job or whatever is that she goes, she has this thing with all the um, supermarkets that they give her the food, food that is about to expand. If they give her all those type of food, like blessed of the fire, they give her all those type of food from the supermarket. And then she comes to the, the hall Saturday evening and she shares it to the neighbor, neighborhood poor people. That's her gig. And so, some people who were in the neighborhood, they will come and then they will come and get the food. And you see, when they get the food, by the time they are coming to get the food, the, the people in the church are also um, cleaning the church for Sunday service tomorrow. So they are fixing microphone and all those type of things. Do you know that the people associated the gift to the church? So within a few months, the church had moved from 20, 30 to about 70 people. Because this church, they give groceries, groceries. They give groceries. And because they give groceries, everybody was coming. Then the lady fell out with us. So she said that she will not give any member of the church any groceries again. Would you believe that from that day, the groceries people left the church. No, some, I went there and I saw the groceries people there. And the pastor said, see these people, they're all in this church. But now when they come, they, do, they turn their back to their pastor and collect their groceries and go. Can you imagine if we are giving groceries here? Immediately, it becomes contagious. It draws people. And remember that for that thing to happen, people sold their possessions to help the church. Can we sacrifice to bless people? Can we have, those of us, our, our wardrobes are bursting with clothes and we are still buying more. The, if I, the, the, the clothes you haven't seen in three years. They are in the wardrobe, but you haven't seen it. And yet, you will not give it away. Can we have a church where we go, everybody, it is mandatory that you, you give out not old torn things, new things to people. Because that is a gospel itself. That is a gospel. You bring food and you give it to people that need. You go to buy groceries and bring it and give it. It's gospel. It is contagious. But selfishness is quarantining. Ah, you didn't get it. Stand to your feet. My time is up. But selfishness is quarantining. Amen. Being generous is contagious. And you see, the Bible says that liberal soul shall be made fat. So the more you give, the more God gives you. The more you give, the more God can trust you. Amen. Can we make it our culture? I say, can we make it our culture? Let's try that practically. Practically.